My name is Pastor Kimmy, and uh, just, just thrilled to be here with you this morning. I know that God has an incredible word for us, so let's open in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are, that your love is just unlimited for every single one of us. And as hard as it is to fathom, how can you love us all? You do. You just love us all and want relationship with every one of us. And so I pray today that we would just have a a new understanding of you, a new revelation of your goodness, a new passion and desire for your word, Lord God, and just a newness, a freshness in our love for you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Let this word just minister to us. Let it bless us and let us just be open to hear it. Thank you, God. In your name I pray. Amen. So yes, we're continuing our series on forgiveness. We've been talking about uh, healing the hurts that we carry, and today we're talking about healing the hurts that we never deserved, and it is a serious topic. So I just wanted to give a little heads up if you have kids that are uh, watching online, just so that you know that this is a serious topic. We're going to be talking about unforgiveness, about emotional hurts, and uh, it's certainly not extra rated or anything inappropriate, but it is a serious topic matter, and so I just wanted to give you that so that you can use your discretion as a parent. All right, and I also wanted to give thanks to Charles Stanley and R.T. Kendall for their inspiration and influence on this message today. They have both done incredible work and study on the topic of forgiveness, and so much of what they have written and they have said has been an influence to us. Uh, to me today. So thanks to those guys. So we all have a story of hurt, don't we? Is there anybody that's participating online or here in the building that can say that they have not been hurt by something or someone, right? Like we all have a hurt of some kind. We all have something. And maybe you were abused as a child, right? It was a hurt that you didn't deserve, something that happened to you that you did not deserve, but it's a hurt that's been there. Or maybe you were lied about. Somebody told a lie about you and you believed that lie. Or maybe you have suffered racial prejudice, right? Maybe you have, or maybe your spouse cheated on you. I know that there are so many stories here and with those joining with us online of terrible things that have happened to us that we did not deserve. And I know that if we were to sit and like vulnerably share those stories with each other, we would sit for hours together and weep because of the hurts that have happened to us that we did not deserve. And so maybe for you as a child, you were bullied and uh, the kids at school were cruel, and they said that you were um, that you were ugly, right? I mean, who who's been in been in a school, right, where they have been bullied and they have been hurt? So many of us, right? Kids will say that you're too tall, or you're too short, or you're too skinny, or you're too fat, or maybe you had a teacher who said to you that you were stupid and that you weren't going to amount to anything. Maybe you had somebody who just pushed you aside as a teacher. Maybe they humiliated you in public. These hurts, they actually change the way that we view life. They change the way that we see the world. Those words and actions that happened against us that we didn't deserve, they change our perspective. They change how we see things. And it's almost like putting on a pair of glasses. And I know these are really wild and crazy, but I wanted to keep your attention, right? So maybe, maybe that hurt that happened is like this different lens, this different way that you see life now, a different way that you see God now because of the hurt that's happened against you and that you haven't been able to let go of you. Let go of it, sorry. Uh, and, or maybe as a teenager, you had an unhealthy relationship that ended in a terrible breakup. And maybe that person said to you that you were unlovable, that they rejected you, 
that you were not worthy of their love. And what happened again is that it again changes the way that you see things. It changes your perspective. So now I know Jesus is my standard, right? I want to go towards Jesus, but what I see in life is this very distorted view and perspective because of these hurts that I am hanging on to. Or maybe as an adult, professional life has not gone very well for you. Maybe your boss is a micromanager and you feel like you can't do anything right. Maybe they've said that you were unqualified, that you were incompetent, that you were unskilled, that you were useless. And then you go home to an empty house because you have walked through divorce and the language has been the same, that you are unlovable, that you are unworthy. And again, it changes the perspective of how you see things. Whoa, get those all on there. Trust me, I cannot see you very well. <laughs> that is kind of the point, right? You see, these words that I used in these three different scenarios, these could actually be the same one person, right? These could be just one person who has heard their whole life that they are not worthy, that they are too much, they are too little, that, 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 that the things that they, that they are, their identity, is not good enough, and that they need to change it and so what it does is it changes their perspective on life, right? So they're trying to see Jesus is our standard, and they're trying to see through this perspective, right? And it's pretty distorted. Let me tell you, I can barely see you because it's so distorted, and yet that's the destination of where I want to go. And so it's almost like we're drowning, we're, we're in the ocean, and the ocean is, is it's like a stormy ocean, right? And we're just trying to swim. We're just trying to keep moving forward. And this is what we have in order to see. It, it just doesn't work. It is a distorted perception of who God is and who we were made to be. You see, Jesus wants that the destination would be him, so that no matter what those hurts are, if they happened yesterday or a year ago or 10 years ago, that you would be able to forgive it. And, and for so many of us, it's like we just can't. We just can't, can't get past those hurts. We just can't let those things go. And it's like we're stuck. And all of those hurts that have happened against us, so many that we, so the ones we just didn't deserve, we just can't get past them. And we hang on to them and they distort our view. They distort our perspective. And so what happens with unforgiveness is that it affects us. It affects us spiritually and physically and emotionally. And you see, that old hurt, it needs to be dealt with. And here's, here's the thing for you, for all of us. No one else can do this for you. You have to do this yourself. You have to do this. You have to go into those old hurts, and you need to go with God and have him deal with those hurts through you. So we're going to talk about that more at the end of the service, towards the end. But I wanted to kind of go through some reasons, like, why do we hold on choosing not to forgive other people? Like, why do we do that? Well, one reason, and there's a lot of reasons, but one reason is pride. Like, let's be honest, right? It's our own pride, right? Like, we want the offender, the other person, to really know that they hurt us. Like, really get how deep it is that this wound, the, the, how deep this goes for us. And so it's like our pride, right? And we're like, no, 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 I'm not going to forgive them until they come and apologize to me. Yep, yep, they need to say sorry to me, and then I will forgive them. And, and is that going to happen? Well, in most cases, probably not. But that's what holds us back from forgiveness, is our pride, right? And so what we do, actually, is we end up talking about that other person so negatively because we don't want anybody else to like that person, right? We want the world to know that that person hurt us. And so what we end up doing is we tell other people terrible things about the people that have offended us. Another reason why we hold on to forgiveness is selfishness. 
We live in a selfish world. We do. Everything is about me, my feelings, my truth. Everything is about me and how I feel, right? Like, I want it this way, and so this is the way we're going to do it, right? And God is saying, he's, he's like, okay, I get it. I hear your hurts, but I want you to step into forgiveness, right? But what we do is we say, no, 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 none of this can be my fault. Everything has to be somebody else's fault. None of this can be about me. And so I'm going to just take a look at somebody else. I selfishly, I don't want to look at any of my stuff, any of my baggage, any of the things I'm holding on to. I just want to focus on the other person, right? It's all about them. And really, it's a selfishness because it's all about me. Another reason why we don't forgive is that for some of us, we're actually unsure. We're really not sure how to forgive. People have said that to me over and over again. I don't know how to forgive. Like, I want to, but I actually don't know how to do that. And so instead, they take all of those hurts, all of those pains, and they just stuff them down deep, and they just walk silently through life, suffering quietly because they don't know how to forgive. Well, the Bible tells us that there are consequences for unforgiveness. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 8 says, When you dig a well, you might fall in. When you demolish an old wall, you could be bitten by a snake. See, see, we've talked a lot about how Jesus is our standard, right? It's not that we're trying to earn love, that we're, we're trying to like work our way into heaven. No, 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 no. But Jesus, his character, his goodness, that's the inheritance that he wants us to have right here, right now. So he's like, he's like what we're going for. He is our destination. And what happens with unforgiveness is it's like we dig a well. So if I'm on my way to Jesus, what I do is I end up digging pits of unforgiveness. And what happens if there's a pit on the road to where you're going? You're going to fall in it. You're going to fall in it and you're going to get stuck. And so even though that's your destination and that's where you want to go, you're like, I'm stuck. I am stuck in this pit. I'm stuck in this well. We also talked about um, the fruits of the Spirit last week. And uh, there's wonderful fruits that God wants for every single one of us to have. But let me tell you, there's also fruits of an unforgiving spirit. There, there is. And let's take a look at Ephesians 4, 31. It says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. See, these are the fruits of an unforgiving spirit, right? Bitterness, rage, brawling, slander. Now, when I was reading those out, did any of those words pop up for you? Did any of those words you're thinking, oh, man, I really connect to that word, bitterness. Ooh, boy, yes. That is something that I have been struggling with. Then, honestly, that is the fruit of an unforgiving spirit, those characteristics. You see, there are consequences to unforgiveness. There are. And there's a few that I want to run through, and the first one is emotional bondage, right? Memories from the past that have played over and over and over again. You know, people have said to me that it's almost like there's this connection between me and my offender. The person who really hurt me, it's almost like there's a link between us. It's almost like there's a connection between us. And so what ends up happening is that we want to be free in Christ, but instead, because of this emotional bondage, we are frozen. It doesn't, it, it freezes us. It doesn't free us. It freezes us, is what emotional bondage does, this connection to the person that's hurt us. Another thing that it does is that it damages relationships with other people. 
Have you been, and you don't have to share, but have you ever known somebody that you felt like you were walking around on eggshells with that person, right? Like you just weren't sure, when are they going to blow up because I know it's going to happen? Or maybe it's you yourself, you're just like walking around like just ready to explode. So when there's no toilet paper on the Costco shelf, you are having like a temper tantrum and a meltdown, right? Because this unforgiveness, it, it, it gets rooted into our lives and there's this bitterness and this anger and it damages our relationships with ourselves and with other people. Other people want to avoid us because they don't want to talk to us about the same thing over and over again, which isn't forgiveness. It's unforgiveness, right? Have you ever known that person? Or maybe you can say, yeah, that's been me at different times. Another reason... Another consequence of unforgiveness is that it damages our relationship with the Lord. Unforgiveness damages our relationship with God. Do you think that God, here's a question, do you think that God is going to anoint and empower a person with unforgiveness? There is no way. The Spirit of God can never anoint unforgiveness, right? Because if God is perfect and unforgiveness is sin, God can never anoint that unforgiveness, never. He cannot anoint bitterness. He cannot anoint anger or resentment. God won't do it. He will not coincide with those sins, right? So imagine you're like, you're spending time with Jesus and you're coming to Jesus and you're like, I- I'm asking for forgiveness for my own things. And then what happens is that there's this memory that comes up, this hurt from years and years ago, and it comes up. And you might think, oh, that's got to be Satan. You know, I'm under attack. But what if it's, it is that it's actually God? And he's saying, you want to come to me? You want forgiveness in your life? You want a, a closer relationship with me? You want a, a, a deep desire for me? Then let's deal with this crap. Let's deal with this unforgiveness. And that's actually the Holy Spirit saying to us, come on, come on, I want to anoint you. I want to bless you. I want to empower you, but we can't coexist. So if you are purposely not forgiving someone, there is, there is not an anointing. But man, it is so easy. God's not going to hold that back from you. He's not going to be like, okay, well, you didn't forgive for six years, so I'm not going to forgive you and anoint you for six years. Like, he's just so not like that. All we have to do is come to him and to, to, to ask for forgiveness. And that's just like this dam of release, of anointing and blessing. Now, now I'm not saying that God is not walking with you every single second through all of that journey, through all of those things. Absolutely, he is. What I'm saying is that the two can't coexist. And God wants to anoint you and bless you and empower you, not for your own sake or for your own good, but because he wants the kingdom of heaven here on earth right now, and he has chosen to use us, the church, the bride of Christ, to go out there. So let's stop getting stuck in these pits, and let's go, Holy Spirit, let's work through our unforgiveness, because I don't want anything holding me back. I want to be empowered to go. I want to be used by him. I want the spiritual gifts inside of me, just operating and flowing out of me, and I want nothing holding me back. I do not want unforgiveness holding me back. Now, another reason why uh, a consequence of unforgiveness is that it damages us physically. It does. Have you had anxiety, fear, that uh, feeling like you're going to vomit, There are so many expressions of how unforgiveness plays out in our bodies physically. Unforgiveness affects us. There are consequences of unforgiveness. You see, but what we do is we want to play the avoidance game, 
right? We want to justify forgiveness. So instead, we like justify the behavior. We say, oh, oh, the person who hurt me, they had a really terrible childhood. They didn't know what they were doing. And, and they, you could be totally right, but that is not forgiveness. To justify their behavior is not forgiveness. Or what we do is we excuse it right? We say, oh, oh, someone's uh, made mistakes. You know, we all make mistakes. We, we all do. And so we excuse the behavior. And again, that is not forgiveness. Or we deny it. We say, um, you know what? I am deeply hurt. I'm going to say that to myself, but I'm not going to let any of you know that I'm deeply hurt. Oh, no, no. I am too strong for that. And so we deny it. And that, again, is not forgiveness. Or we say that we're going to accept the person the way that they are. And man, yes, yes, we are not to, to judge one another. But accepting a harmful behavior is, again, not forgiveness. Or we say that time heals everything. Time does not heal old wounds. Your old wounds, they get stuck there. It's like you're frozen, right? You're in that pit, and you react out of all of that hurt, all of that pain and bitterness and resentment, all of those old hurts. Time does not heal old hurts. That is not forgiveness. So what is it that causes the unforgiving spirit? Well, we might be able to pretty quickly say, oh, well, I can find that answer, right? What causes my unforgiving spirit? Well, it's, it's the other person. It's the person who offended me, right? Like, that's what causes the unforgiving spirit because they hurt me, they wounded me, I didn't deserve it. And so that's what causes an unforgiving spirit. But man, hear this. Nobody, nobody has the power to make you have an unforgiving spirit. What causes an unforgiving spirit? You do. You do. It's something that we choose. And maybe we're thinking, well, I didn't really choose that. But by living in unforgiveness, you are choosing an unforgiving spirit. No one can make you feel hatred or revenge or bitterness you have a choice how you're going to respond to your hurts. Sure, we have been treated unjustly. We've been treated unfairly. We did not deserve the hurts that have happened against us. These, these hurts were not a part of God's plan for your life. You did not deserve it. But playing the blame game that it's somebody else's fault is going to keep you stuck in that pit. You are never going to move forward in forgiveness if you are blaming somebody else. They do not control you having an unforgiving spirit. It's up to us to forgive. We can choose to step into forgiveness no matter what hurt has happened against us. You see, we think that God understands our suffering because Jesus Christ who suffered on the cross. And he's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, baby. I get it. I feel your suffering. I understand your suffering. But he will never be in agreement with unforgiveness. Do you see the difference, right? He's with you. He is with you, but he will never agree with you that you should hold on to bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. Never. And do you know why? Because the day that you accepted Jesus Christ into your life, the day that you said, I believe, I fully believe, I believe in Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection, I believe he took all of my sin, the day that you did that, you actually forfeited all of your rights to hold on to unforgiveness. You actually forfeited that. Have you ever thought of it that way? Right? So to have an unforgiving spirit... You need to let that go because Jesus is saying, I died once and for all, for all sin. 
So how can you have an unforgiving spirit towards somebody else when Jesus is walking beside you saying, I understand your hurt, I understand your suffering, I understand your pain, but we need to forgive. You see, we can tell God how deeply that we have been hurt. And Jesus will say to us, yes, I get it, I understand. Now look to the cross. Look to the cross and what I have done for you. Imagine Jesus on that cross, that crown of thorns on his head, those thorns pushing in and pressing into his head so deeply that there was blood just coming down his face. Imagine him on that cross being nailed to that cross, the most horrific and gruesome and humiliating death. He's on that cross for you. Imagine the scars that would have been on his body, the wounds from the beating, from the whipping that he endured for you. He, he chose to go to that cross for every single one of us. And so that cross, what he did for us, his death, his resurrection, the cross strips us of all of our rights to hold on to unforgiveness. We have no right to do it anymore. Just imagine the cross. When you're sitting over here, no, 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 I'm going to stay in my unforgiveness. No, 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 no. I can't let this go. Imagine it. Imagine it. Go there in your mind. This is what Jesus has done for you. Colossians 3.13 says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. <sighs> and, and this is not easy stuff to say. I don't say this to you, and then, and then the rest of my week, go and practice something completely different. you got to know this week, studying even deeper on forgiveness. I spent like over half an hour in my office this week confessing. Half an hour of just, Jesus, forgive me for all of these things I've done and help me, man. Oh, there's that old wound, there's that old hurt, and I just, I want to forgive that. And then Jesus brought another one to my mind, and we worked through forgiving that one. And then there was another one, and then there was another one. And I thought I was living with a pretty forgiving heart. But there were all these old things, all these old memories, some of them I hadn't thought of in decades. But Jesus was like, no, let's deal with them right now. So when I share this with you, I don't go and practice something totally different. I want to live a life of forgiveness. And you know, it takes courage to forgive. It takes courage to deal with our unforgiveness. It takes courage to be real and to deal with the hurts. But we can do it. You see, the hurts that we don't deserve can be healed by forgiveness. The hurts that we didn't deserve can be healed by forgiveness. Say, can be healed by forgiveness. Say it again. Can be healed by forgiveness. We can be set free. We can. There is no hurt that Jesus cannot forgive with us. There is nothing. And I know that, again, there are terrible, despicable things that have been done to us that we did not deserve. It does not mean we condone that sin or agree with it, but we can forgive it. We can be set free from those hurts. We're going to take a quick look at the life of Joseph. And uh, if you're engaging with us online, you can go to the bottom tab, and there's a spot there that says Bible, and you can click on it. And uh, I would just love it if for your homework or after this service is over that you just stay reading the life of Joseph. There's just so much uh, gold in there for us to learn from the life of Joseph. But I'm going to paraphrase it very, very quickly and just share with you that Joseph was the son of Jacob. And Jacob was this guy who had 12 sons, and Joseph was the 11th of those. And, and Jacob, the dad, he loved Joseph. 
He loved him incredibly. And you know, I tell my kids all the time that they're my favorite. Like I'm always like whispering in their ear, like, you're my favorite Eden. And then, you know, about five years ago, they figured out I was doing it and told each other that I'd been telling them all these years that they're my favorite. When in actual fact, you know, I love them equally. I don't rise one above the other. They are all just so amazing, my kids and uh, equally my favorite. Well, in this story in the Bible, Jacob, he wasn't as good of a parent as I am, you know. He probably should have, you know, maybe taken some lessons from me because what he did is he actually made it very clear to all the sons that Joseph was the favorite. He had uh, daddy's eye and he was the golden child and everybody knew it. Like, can you imagine 12 boys in the house and one of them is the favorite? Like everybody else would have hated that dude. They'd be like, just like hating on him. Like he would have been the one that they picked on all the time and he was the 11th out of the 12 so he would have been like smaller and younger and oh I could just imagine he would have been tortured and you see these brothers they loathed Joseph because of this favoritism that he had with his dad and Joseph he he had some great things going for him he had dreams like God dreams that were just incredible and he had this one dream that his brothers were going to bow down and come begging to him one day and so he told his brothers about that like couldn't you just imagine like how exciting that would be to hear that from your sibling that one day you're gonna bow down to me yeah I think it just like festered this hate that they had for Joseph and you see there wasn't anything wrong with Joseph's gift gift of of having dreams and interpreting dreams. I think it was fantastic. It was wonderful. It was from God. But you see, Joseph was so spoiled. He was so stuck up and he was so annoying that there was a lot wrong with him and he took what God had intended for good and he kind of like pushed, rubbed his brother's uh, faces in it. Well, the brothers end up selling Joseph and, uh, into slavery, and they just wanted him out of their hair. They were just like so sick of him, like, let's get rid of this guy. He's just driving us nuts. And so they sell him into slavery, but they tell their dad that he had been killed by an animal. And, and when you continue reading through Genesis, you'll see that Joseph was sold to the Egyptians, um, and then some things happened, and then he was promoted, and then some more things happened, and he was falsely accused, and then, and then he He's thrown in jail. And you see, he had a lot to be bitter about, this guy. He had a lot of things happen to him um, that he did not deserve. He had a lot of offenders in his life. And so now he's in jail and time has passed. And not only does God orchestrate the release of Joseph, but Pharaoh gives Joseph the job of prime minister in the country. It's pretty awesome how he works these things. Because you see, before this, while Joseph was sitting in jail, he could have sat in his bitterness and his resentment and planned out and plotted his revenge against all the people that had offended him and hurt him. He could have stayed stuck in that pit. But what Joseph does in those couple years in jail is that he learns total forgiveness. And so when he's released from jail, God blesses that. God anoints that because Joseph worked through his unforgiveness. And so there's this incredible release of God's anointing. And Joseph ends up, um, he ends up with a, a heart change, and he ends up with the opportunity to be reunited with his brothers. And when that happens, he weeps. He is filled with love for his brothers, and he demonstrates total forgiveness for them. Joseph chose total forgiveness. It's an incredible story. Well, I want to share with you uh, a a story of somebody from our church congregation. Her name is Sarah, and this week she had an incredible breakthrough on forgiveness. Let's watch. Hey, so this is a dear friend uh, of mine, and I'm going to have her introduce herself to all of us. Hello, my name is Sarah. I've lived in Prince George my whole life. Wonderful. And how long have you been at Gateway Church? Almost a year-ish, maybe. Mm. I went for a bit. I went to Salvation Army before that. I love all the churches here. It's great. Yeah, awesome. So we're talking about forgiveness, and this past week, you have had an incredible week of breakthrough and freedom. 
You know, Sarah's story is not just for Sarah. <laughs> the, the part about the forgiveness, that, that's not just what God has written over Sarah. God wants to write <laughs> free over every single one of us. That's the banner of love. That's the identity that he wants every single one of us to have. And you know that scripture in Ephesians, right? All of the fruit of the unforgiving spirit. Well, if you keep reading that scripture, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. That's the fruit that Jesus wants you to have today. And so what do you need to do? You need to forgive. That is how you will be free. It's not complicated. It's actually so easy. That's the fruit, forgiveness. Now, I'm going to get totally practical with you. And if you're joining with us online, you're going to see over on the top right, you can just click at the top, and there's a drop-down menu bar there. And there's a document there called Steps to Forgiveness and Freedom. And I'd love for you to open that up, and you can just follow along, because we're going to actually do this. Because you know what? I don't want us just to talk about forgiveness and then leave here. And then we're like, okay, it's so, I'm so inspired. Holy Spirit, you're so good. But now how do I do this? Let's do it. Let's do this together uh, if you are willing. So for those that are here, you can just kind of follow along with our steps. So steps to forgiveness and freedom. The, the first thing that I want you to do is I want you to write down the name of the person who wronged you. Okay, And so we're going to go through these pretty quick, but if you want to take some time at the end of the service, you can still join into our chat. You can ask somebody to go through these steps with you. Don't leave here today with unforgiveness. Like, just don't do it. Just make the commitment, today I'm going to forgive. Today, I don't want to be frozen anymore. I want to be free. So the first thing is that we're going to write down the name of the person who's wronged us. Write that name down. Secondly, we're going to write down the memory of the offense. We're going to write down the thing that happened to us, the event that happened. Third, we're going to write down how that person or that action, that offense, that event made us feel. We're going to write that down. Fourth, we're going to ask Jesus to reveal any lie that we believed in that memory. Because, you know, I, I've had hurts. I've had things happen, and I go back to deal with it years later, and, and I have a distorted view, right? Remember those glasses. They change my perspective, and they change even how I remember some offenses so that there's things that I think happened that actually didn't even happen. So ask God to reveal if there's any lies that need to be exposed so that you can forgive and let those go. And then fifth, you're going to ask Jesus to speak truth to the memory, Ask him for all of it, the truth. And six, you're going to confess the sin of unforgiveness if necessary. And if this is the first time that you are asking for forgiveness for a person or an event, you probably need to ask for the spirit of unforgiveness to be forgiven and broken in your own life. Because what it does is it like all of the pipes of our heart can be clogged up, right? All of the arteries, and God needs to like flush all of that out so that we are forgiven, we forgive ourselves, we confess the sin of unforgiveness. And then the seventh thing 
is then we're going to forgive the person. So you're going to go back to the number one, and you're going to say their name. I forgive, fill in the blank, that person's name. I forgive the debt. I cancel the debt. I forgive them, and I let it go. And I release the person. This is number eight. I release the person from the debt. And you say it out loud. I release the person from the debt. And then number nine is you pray a prayer of blessing over them. And you might be like, oh no, oh no, Pastor Kimmy, I can't get there yet. I need to just focus on this forgiving piece because this is so new to me and there's like so much deep stuff there that I don't know if I can pray a prayer of blessing on them yet. That's okay. Don't let that hold up this process. Just work through this process because when you keep working through it, you'll get to a place where you can pray a blessing over them. You see, freedom comes from forgiveness. That's what forgiveness does. It sets us free. And so if you, if you need to, and this is such a great, great idea. This is from Charles Stanley. And what he says to do is to actually have two chairs. And so you sit yourself in a chair, and then you have a chair that's sitting right in front of you. And you actually imagine your offender is sitting in that chair. And you specifically say to that person their name and that you have forgiven them, that you are canceling the event and the debt, that you are releasing them. And so that person doesn't need to physically be there, but it can just be so free to imagine that that person is there and that you're having this conversation with them. So man, if you need to do that, I just, I pray that you would just don't avoid forgiveness. You see, for so many of us, we have carried unforgiveness for so long that it feels like it's a part of who we are right? We feel like it's our identity, like Sarah said. But Jesus wants a new banner, a new identity over every single one of us. He wants you to be free. No matter what hurt, no matter what hurt has been done against you, you can be free. All sin is forgivable. R.T. Kendall says that total forgiveness is a life sentence. And it's so funny that Sarah said, like, she felt like there was this, like, negative life sentence, this connection that she had with the person that had hurt her. But actually, R.T. Kendall says that forgiveness is something that we need to do every single day. So in that, it's like a life sentence. It's like saying, for the rest of my life, I am going to walk through forgiveness. I am going to walk through those old things. And maybe today I can only handle going through one of those hurts. That's okay. Tomorrow we're going to go through total forgiveness again and the day after and the day after and we're going to become experts at forgiving. And you know what's going to happen is that there's going to be this incredible release in our community because of forgiveness, right? Because we're not going to be holding on to bitterness and anger and shame. We're going to be walking in the fullness of Jesus Christ, the fullness of all of the blessing that he wants to give to every single one of us. You see, forgiveness is like giving us a new lens. And I have these like really huge, like awkward face mask goggle thing that I got for when I went to Thailand. And, and the reason I brought it, and, and I don't even think I could put it on, but, but the reason I brought it is that, you know, there was a whole new world when I put this mask on and I looked into the ocean. I was no longer seeing what was just up here in front of me, the storm and the waves that were hitting me, and I felt like I was drowning. I put this mask on and I could see into this whole new world underneath, right? This, the beautiful coral and the fish. And, and just this, this wonder underneath the water. And this is what forgiveness does to us. It takes off all of these old perspectives. And it gives us this new one where we can breathe, where we can see into a spiritual life that God wants for every single one of us. So man, today, just, just don't leave here without forgiving. It's so good. I'm going to ask if you would stand if you're here in the room. And if you're at home, 
and you're engaging with us online, you know, there's a few things. Um, we have a connect card at the bottom and we'd love for you to fill that out and connect with us. But if you're at home and you're thinking, I've never fully embraced what God has for me, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. Jesus wants a relationship with you, a personal relationship. He didn't die just so that Sarah could have freedom and forgiveness. He died so that you could have forgiveness and freedom and be set free. So I want you just to close your eyes and just to pray this with me. It's the ABCs. Jesus, I admit. I admit that I am a sinner. I admit that I have been holding on to unforgiveness. I admit that I have made so many mistakes, Jesus. I admit it. And the B is believe. Jesus, I believe. I believe, Jesus, that you, fully God, yet fully man, came to this earth, came lived this perfect, sinless life and then died and was resurrected so that my sin, my debt could be paid, so that there would be a heavenly inheritance for me. I believe, Jesus, I believe, I believe you are so good, Jesus. You suffered and died on that cross so that my mistakes could be forgiven. And see, I confess, I confess with all of my heart, Jesus, that I want you in my life. I confess it. I want your goodness. I want your mercy. I, I want you, Holy Spirit, to come and to be alive in me. I confess it. And so if you've done those things with us online, you can actually click right there and say, yeah, today for the first time, I asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And do you know what? There is a party in heaven celebrating that you are a child of Jesus Christ, that you have a kingdom inheritance. There is a party for you. And man, don't let that go. Don't, don't, just, don't just turn away now work through that the unforgiveness if you're also engaged with us online you can join into our prayer if you would like somebody to work through those nine steps with you our prayer team would love to be a part of that let's close in prayer oh jesus thank you jesus you are such a good good god Thank you for what you suffered and endured on the cross for every one of us so that we could have freedom, Jesus. And it's just so humbling because we don't deserve it. Like there's just nothing we could do to earn your love and yet you just pour it out on us. You're just like unlimited for us. You chase after us. You just can't get enough of us. And Jesus, in return, we just worship you. We just can't get enough of you, God. Have your way in our hearts, Jesus. Do your work, Lord God. Help us in those tender, hurtful places to let them go and to embrace your forgiveness, Jesus. You are so good. In your name we pray.